0: Hey, everybody, it's Mike from the Mike Wagner Show, powered by SoundCloud Studios, and brought to you by official sponsor, The Mike Wagner Show, international warring author Mia Moses the Missing, available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. We're here with a terrific gentleman who grew up in a remote village of Ghana called Boadua with uh, illiterate parents and no one, you know, education beyond the middle school. This gentleman also earned his master's in electrical engineering from. Purdue University back in 95, MBA from the Tech School of uh, Business at Dartmouth College in 3 and uh, lives with his family in the eastern uh, region of Pennsylvania. We'll talk about that. Uh, He's also a principal of UGI Energy Services, diversified uh, energy services firm, and he has a new book out which tells of the struggle as a child growing up with his parents in a remote village of Buadua in Ghana and traces his journey from overcoming astronomical obstacles to the rising above and succeeding beyond. And going from the um remote village of um Bua Ghana over to um the principal of UGI and these energy services. We'll hear about his journey live, ladies and gentlemen from Plus Studios from beautiful outside eastern Pennsylvania, the amazing uh author of the book, The Boy from Buadua, a memoir. Ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Patrick. I'm sorry. Patrick, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thanks for joining us today. Good evening, Mike. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you on board, Patrick. So you grew up in a remote village of Ghana called Buadua, Dua with illiterate parents and no one educated beyond the uh, middle school. You earned your master's degree in electrical engineering from Purdue University in 95. You also had an MBA from the Tuck School of uh, Business at Dartmouth College in 03. You live with your family in... Um, Eastern Pennsylvania called why I'm missing and your principal at UGI energy services, and it's a diversified energy services firm. And you have a new book that's out telling the struggles as a child growing up in the village with um, in Buadua, and um, tracing the journey, basically overcoming astronomical obstacles to rising above succeeding and beyond. It's going from uh, the streets of Ghana over to where you're at. And it's, it's in a memoir as well. And before getting all that, Patrick, tell us how you first got started. So I, uh, I was
1: uh, born in that uh, small village uh, called Bordua, and uh, a very uh, farming community, uh, a small town, maybe about 400 people at the time I was growing up, Dusty Village. Um, and about 99% of the parents in, in this village were illiterate. And so education was really not a priority. Uh, my two parents were both illiterate my father worked as a subsistence farmer and um so in the in the village we had a small uh, elementary school and a middle school so uh, as a child uh, you uh went to the elementary school and then some went on to middle school but mostly uh you you got a bit of an education and then you helped your parents on the farm and uh, our days were filled with uh, numerous chores and um uh, we woke up. Uh, I, I am one in my family. I'm one of 14 children. So wow. I have 13
0: siblings. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> so that's, hard, that's hard to take care of these days, but astronomical, <laughs> though. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 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 uh,
1: so with uh, illiterate uh, parents, uh, poverty, uh, my parents were family, poor, poor family. And so a struggle to, feed 14 children and also, uh, put them through school. So uh, we, uh, did a lot of work, uh, helping our father on the farm. And, uh, so we wake up about, uh, uh, three, four AM, uh, go to a river about a mile away, uh, fetch water in buckets that we carry on our heads. We bring them back home. Uh, we do all kinds of other chores. And, uh, and uh, you 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 work about four or five hours before eight o'clock when you you go to school. So so you are dead tired by the time. Oh uh, my goodness! Wow, uh, you 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 are you are going into the classroom, and so that was the um, that was life in the village. And so there, there was not much expectation, and uh, we we lived. And so m- most kids uh, got a primary education, and middle education, and then they they just fell off and uh, reverted back to the farm. But I had. Um, I had um, a chance occurrence. I mean, when I was about eight or nine years old, I I realized that I love to read. And so I was walking around. uh, This was a village, obviously, with no books uh, because everyone that was illiterate. And um, I I happened uh, to come upon a piece of newspaper scrap on the ground I picked up. I read something on it that uh, just changed the trajectory of my life. That's what brought me... uh, from that mm-hmm. village all the way to, uh, to America. So, uh, mm-hmm. we, we can probably get into that at some point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and, and of course that got me curious as well too. Do you remember what that piece of paper was about and what was the subject matter? <laughs> yes. So, so this was a, a,
1: a piece of paper. The, what, what, happened was, uh, it was food, food vendors in the village. So street mm-hmm. side, uh, food vendors and, um, they served uh, whatever food they were selling uh, whether cooked rice or roasted plantains I mean they they wrapped it, uh, the foods in a newspaper because they didn't have plates and uh or uh, anything so people um uh, finished eating their food and then they just threw away the uh, the scrap of newspaper so that that was one of the papers I picked that um, this was a piece of the National Daily. And so the, I read a segment of an article on, on this piece of paper that I picked from the ground. And the, the article was talking about, uh, an elite, uh, secondary school in, in the capital of Ghana, which is Accra. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Ghana used to be, uh, a British colony. And so the British, uh, used to govern the place, uh, until 1957 when, uh, Ghana became independent. So the, um, when when the British were there, they they set up this elite uh, secondary school that uh, educated uh, children of the British expatriates and uh, Ghanian the Ghanaian elite ambassadors, university professors. So this was uh, top notch. And uh, so so I pick up this uh, piece of newspaper and uh, I read an article on it about this uh, elite school. And uh, uh, the article goes on to say that. Uh, uh, students go from the school and they attend uh, Oxford and Cambridge universities in England, and wow. then uh, and then they come back to Ghana and they become uh, prime ministers, uh, ministers of state, ambassadors, and uh, and things. Uh, so so I'm a kid uh, growing up in this uh, dusty village, and I pick up this paper and uh, I read that article, and it makes an instant impression on me and say, hey, I want to. I want to uh, uh, find a way to attend this elite school so I can also go to Oxford and uh, Oxford or Cambridge and come back and uh, maybe become a prime minister or something. So, so, so that was the, uh, that was what I read on the paper. And, uh, and so it, it began my journey. I, I had this crazy idea that uh, I was going to do this. And uh, uh, <laughs> the, the, I was very fortunate because uh, I couldn't tell anyone in the village. no, Nobody would understand. And uh so I didn't tell anyone. So I, I I just keep this to myself and I begin this journey and uh, and uh, preparing for this uh, admission to this elite secondary school. And, uh, uh, you know, surprisingly, I ended up getting admission to the school wow. and only to find out only to find out that, uh, hey, my pa- my family was actually poor and there was no where they were going to uh, my parents were going to be able to uh, afford their tuition. So that was, uh, that was the first uh, stumbling block on this whole journey.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and and of course uh, you also had, um, you know, managed to find your way and uh, how else did you manage to find your way to uh, get an education? You tried the Oxford method and that failed. What was the yes. other option you used to uh, get into school and, you know, managed to get in, it can be by flying colors or like by, by the skin of your teeth. Yes. So, so in, in preparing to uh, to get admission
1: to this uh, secondary school, uh, uh, this was a village with uh, no electricity, and so you, you studied with kerosene lamps. And I imagine uh, living with uh, uh, fourteen siblings, everyone needs the light for chores and stuff like that. So, so I uh, most nights I would uh, I would you know hang around until about uh, 9 10 p.m. before before the light uh, became available, the lantern became available, and uh, and then I would study till about midnight and um, uh, then go to sleep maybe about three, four hours and wake up for the early morning chores. So so I was doing this in preparation for, for the elite uh, to gain admission to this elite school. And I did that for a couple of years and uh, gain admission to this place, couldn't go. And so uh, that was uh, a huge blow and... Uh, i i almost uh I, I lost interest in everything because i i i sacrificed so much and uh can't really get into this school so what's the point about going to uh going on to uh the rest of middle school anyway so but but then i after a few weeks i i i thought to myself uh the alternative is i i, I give up middle school and then i uh i'll spend my the rest of my life in the village on the farm and. Uh, I said I didn't want that, so I picked my uh, uh, study materials back up and uh, and study hard. And uh, the following year, I get a I get admission to another school, uh, not this elite school because I was uh, age limited at that point. So I get admission to another secondary school. So I um, the financial issue is still there. I, I cannot go, but uh, I scored uh, uh, very high on the exam. And nice. so, it, it, yeah, so it caught the attention of the uh, of of uh, some of the teachers in the school, and so uh, they they found their way actually to to the village. I mean, to come and uh, uh, talk to me about a scholarship that was available because my father was a cocoa farmer. There was a there was a scholarship program for cocoa farmers and. Oh wow! So that, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, so that's uh, so that's how I uh, find my way to uh, to go to secondary school, and then after secondary school. I uh, uh you go to secondary school for seven years uh, during that time. And so I finished secondary school and I hit another uh, roadblock, another financial uh sort of obstacle uh race ahead. And um so so then I bounced around the village for another couple of years before I chanced upon this scholarship that the uh, Soviet Union uh used to uh uh, grant to students from third world countries. This was the peak of the Cold War. And uh, so America and the Soviet Union were around Africa jockeying for influence, uh, mm. Africa and the third world. So so th- there was a scholarship program that took young people uh, to the Soviet Union to study. So I, I had no choice at that point. I mean, I, I started out wanting to go to Oxford or Cambridge. And, uh, and so uh, in my early 20s, 20s I, I had hit a major roadblock and this was the option that was uh open and uh,
0: i i took it and that was how i ended up in the soviet union uh, how do you to go to college how, how do you like that and of course going back to um the scholarship for cocoa farmers that uh you were yes. granted what Me other scholarships that they offer besides for cocoa farmers
1: uh not 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 many other options because um uh, all secondary schools in Ghana, uh, you had to pay tuition to go, and that—that's what uh, stopped a lot of children, especially from the villages, from going on for further education because, uh, so the poor country, most people were poor. So that was about the only scholarship I—I I, I heard about. Uh, merit scholarships were were pretty non-existent. So the I was. Very lucky to, to be just to be the, the son of a cocoa farmer that uh, uh, I started uh, primary school in the village with uh, 59 other kids. I mean, there were 60 of us that started school. I was the only one uh, that was able to go beyond middle school. And uh, for the years I was growing up, that, that was a that was the norm. And so and, and so mine was uh, mine was sort of the uh, the the exception.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, going back to the schools as well, too, with the lack of funding, lack of scholarships and everything else. Um, How much did the government um play in the role of providing scholarships or providing education um to the schools in Ghana? How much did the, did the government play in the role of it?
1: Yes. So so the um, elementary and middle schools were were government funded. And so whether you lived in a village or a town, uh, those were government funded, funded, but. It was bare bones. And, uh, um, so the, 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 schools I attended, I mean, had, you know, the, the classroom, the chair you sat on and the, uh, and the, the teacher was in the classroom. There was a the chalkboard and uh, you had a couple of textbooks and that was it. Actually, uh, when I was five years old, about four or five years old, when I started kindergarten, there were, there were not enough classrooms. And so, oh, and wow. so we, we, yeah, so we sat under a tree and, uh, uh we' were sitting under a tree that was our classroom <laughs> yeah getting
0: get getting in touch in nature which is good why why bother taking yeah. a science or a oh, nature yeah. class when yeah. you sit under a tree i mean you got yeah. your education right there birds bees, exactly. bees leaves grass and everything it's like yeah you yeah. got it right here <laughs> Yeah, yeah yeah so so the uh there were goats and chickens
1: uh, roaming around. Uh, oh uh, yes, <laughs> that was a classroom. <laughs> so.
0: I was going to say, who needs a science experiment when you got the um, the animals, the living things, and even the bugs are just. You know roaming yeah. around why bother having a science well, class yeah. we can just pick it up and just um you know <laughs> you know check it out check it out as well too <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly and, and, and of course you know heading over to the Soviet Union to uh get a chance and opportunity we'll um talk about more in the book uh the boy from uh but we'll do a, a memoir with Patrick Asari. But first, listen to the Mike Weidner Show at the MikeWeidnerShow.com, powered by Sonic Web Studios. Visit online at sonicwebstudios.com for all your needs. Look at a professional website without breaking your budget. Sonic Web Studios is the answer. Sonic Web Studios offers fast, affordable, custom web designs that blow the competition away. Call today, 1 800 303 3960. It's 1 800 303 3960 for email to support at sonicwebstudios.com. Mention Mike Widener Show, get 20% off your first project. Sonic Web Studios, take your image to the next level. Also time to give an official shout out to our official sponsor, the Mike Widener Show, International warring author, Mian Molsonzia. If you love fast-paced mysteries, you love missing by Mian Molsonzia, Available on Amazon and Paperback and Ebook. Missing is fast-paced and intriguing with an unforgettable twist. It takes place in four countries. Two strangers, one target, where truth is illusion and those you love will be the first go missing. It's available on Amazon and Paperback and Ebook. Missing by me and Melson Zia has garnered great reviews and Eve 11 and George by Howard celebrities, including Joanna Cassidy, Forbes, Riley, and MNLs. So grab your copy today for goes missing by me and Melson Zia available on Amazon. Also check out the Mike Weidner show at the Mike show.com on over 40 podcast platforms heard in hundred countries, including Facebook, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Also Anchor FM, iTunes. Also on Pandora, Pro Pandora, TuneIn. Also heard on, um, Podbean and just about everything possible. Also, subscribe to the Mike Weidner Show on YouTube, Bitch, Shoot, and Rumble. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Take us with you on any mobile device for great gift ideas. Go to Amazon.com. Check out the Mike Weidner Show podcast. T shirts, pop sockets, throw pillows, tote bags, hoodies. Makes great gifts 24 7. Go to Amazon.com. Check out the Mike Weidner Show podcast. And for more great gift ideas, go to Amazon.com slash me and Molson for great books like Missing, Once and Wrinkles, plus t-shirts, pop sockets, hoodies, phone cases, and more Amazon.com slash me and Molson Check it out today. And support the Mike Weidner Show on Anchor FM, PayPal, and themikeweidnershow.com. We're here with the author uh, Patrick Asari of The Boy from Buadua, a memoir here on the Mike Weidner Show. Of course, y'all you know, going from the remote village in Ghana of uh, Buadua and also trying to get an education. You later went on to um, become a principal at UGI Energy Services. And um, let's resume with your uh, journey over the Soviet Union and um, tell us more about that, the name of the school, and what was life like um, in the Soviet Union. <laughs>
1: so uh so I, I i when i got the scholarship uh to go to the soviet union that uh, the soviet union was still uh, in its ex- existence then this was 1985 when i went there um so I knew very little about uh, this place. I I had done a lot of reading of newspapers uh, during my preparation for secondary school and uh, through secondary school, but the Soviet Union was, uh, as as everyone is aware, was a very closed uh, system at that point. And so very little information coming out of of that country, really, for, for anyone to know much about. And so it wasn't until I actually got a scholarship uh, that I started asking around uh, to to find out a bit more about this place I was going to. So I uh, that, that's when I found out that uh, uh, no one in the Soviet Union you know, spoke anything other than Russian. And uh, I had never seen uh, the Russian alphabet even before. So I, I went to the Soviet embassy in Accra to pick up my visa and... Uh, uh, saw my name written in Cyrillic, and I couldn't recognize it. And I said, "Wow!" <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I uh, I was uh, going there to study electrical engineering, and um, and I was I, I learned that uh, the the first year I would I would attend language school. You, you learned uh, the language, the Russian language, which was going to be the medium of instruction. Mm-hmm. and so I, I everyone going there had to learn it from scratch and so that that was the uh, so so when i flew into moscow in uh, august of 1985 i arrived in moscow at that time and um uh, spent about four or five days in in moscow and um was then informed that i was uh, i would be sent to kiev which uh, in in the ukraine and um so i, I I left Moscow uh, on a train went to Kiev uh, with uh, another group of uh, foreign students so we end up in Kiev and uh, put in start um, started language school at Kiev State University and uh, it was it was full immersion we we all started from uh, scratch and so that, that was uh, a that, that that was quite a frightening experience uh, because uh, you, you got into this uh, country that uh, uh, no one spoke any anything that you knew, and so it was it was a tough existence for probably the first uh, two three months. But we went to language school, went to classes uh, six days a week, eight hours a day, and um, with being fully immersed in the in in the country, it, it, the language came pretty fast, and they were pretty good at teaching it, and so. And nice. so within six months, I think we had we had uh, the foreign students who went there had become a bit comfortable. And so uh, we uh, then take that uh, base of knowledge, uh, language, and then we start some uh, elementary courses. And then after the first year, uh, you are actually sent into the real program uh, you went there to, uh, to major in. So... So after one year in Kyiv, then I was uh, sent with uh, another bunch of uh, foreign students to uh, Ukraine's second city, Kharkiv, which we hear a lot about uh, nowadays because of the war. Right. So yes, war-
0: that's been a big one. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yes. So, so I went to Kharkiv and I lived there for, for one year and uh, lived in a uni- uh, went to a university there. These were all engineering schools. And so uh, in, in Kharkiv, I went to uh, an engineering school. But then after one year, um, uh, me and a couple of uh, Ghanaian students who were in my class, uh, we, we didn't quite like the university in Kharkiv uh, because it was mainly an architecture, architecture institute, but we, we were majoring in electrical. So we wanted uh, a school with a uh, uh, better electrical engineering program. So we petitioned the Soviet Ministry of Education through the Ghanaian embassy in Moscow. And, they, and then they sent us to uh, they sent us to Donetsk, which is the uh, uh, Donbass region, where, where really where the action is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we 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 the uh, the four years, the remaining four years in in Donetsk, in uh, at a university called Donetsk National Technical University. Um, so so the interesting thing is when I um, when I arrived in Moscow in August 1985, uh, President Gorbachev had just come into office. Uh, he had, uh, he came into office in March of that year, so just about five months after he came into office. So when I got to Moscow, that was right at the beginning of the perestroika uh, sort of reforms that he instituted. So, um, so I, I go through the six years in the Soviet Union. I graduated in June of 1991, and uh, within a couple of months, they staged the coup that uh, removed him from office. So so I was in the Soviet Union during a very, very historic period. I got a chance to witness that whole perestroika period. So, so apart from my education, I got a, I got
0: a real education in uh, in uh, real-time history. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and do you think the, the Gorbachev era, when he reformed the country, do you think that was a good thing, Um, in your opinion, when he experienced it for a Soviet era, or was it more of a bad thing? Uh,
1: yeah, it, it, was, it was inevitable. So th- this was something... Uh, Gorbachev as uh, as one of the progressive uh, uh people in the in the Soviet leadership at the time uh, the, the, the system the entire system was uh was collapsed on its own on, on its own weight and so Gorbachev this was something Gorbachev and a few a few of his uh allies in the Kremlin uh recognized and so and so he he came in at the right time and to and so that, that, that was a vital uh sort of uh intervention uh, he, he made. And so everything he did was positive. I mean, the, the Soviets' uh, revisionist history hasn't been very kind to him. But uh, uh, those of us who saw the system as it was uh, during that time knew knew exactly what he had to
0: do and why he was doing it. So to answer your question, I mean, it's overwhelmingly positive what, what
1: mm-hmm. he did. Yes. I-
0: I had a lot of people talk about Gorbachev and uh, what was going on in the U.S. as well, too. And, of course, there was one point there was a Cold War, and uh, somebody was ready yes. to uh, press the beloved red button, only to turn out yeah. it was a false alarm coming from Grand Forks, North Dakota. And then yeah. there was another lady I, I had on, and it took like 16 months for the— um for the formation to go from um communism to capitalism everybody thought yeah. it was overnight but it was just yeah. you know yeah 16 months and you're probably yes. around there and of course yeah. you know there's a lot of opportunities that came around and everything yes. else and um and of course before we get to more about the book the boy from uh, Dua: a memoir a practice sorry on the mike wagner show and um what what first interests you into getting to electrical engineering as a um as a career or degree
1: so yeah that's a that's an interesting question i um I actually uh, cannot, when I was in secondary school, I, um, in Ghana, uh, in those years, we, we had three universities in, in Ghana. Uh, one was uh, uh, an engineering university, one was uh, mostly like uh, liberal arts, and then there was another one. So in, in secondary school, once you got to the final years of secondary school, uh, before you were uh, about to enter university, uh, you, you had to declare, almost declare uh, which path we were going to go, whether science or uh, liberal arts or medicine. So uh, at that point, when I, when I was in the final years of secondary school, the, the choice became uh, either engineering or uh, medicine, become a medical doctor or become an engineer. And uh, I I couldn't picture myself in a hospital because I, I cannot. I, yeah. So,
0: so, so. Hey, I'm with you. Many of us don't do well in hospitals. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so, so, so then the, uh, it, it became a default option, uh, engineering became a default option. So, so that, that was really what drove and, and then among the engineering disciplines, whether mechanical, chemical, electrical, I, I gravitated towards electrical uh just because I I, I love the whole concept of electricity and uh and because we didn't have electricity in the village when I was growing up I was fascinated by it when I when I uh, came across it in secondary school and stuff like that. so so that's that's how I thought about becoming an electrical engineer-
0: mm-hmm. and he also uh he also ventured over to uh Purdue University uh to pursue as a master's in 95 uh, they went on to um to the uh, MBA from a uh, tech school of uh, business in Dartmouth in 03. And um, before yes. we talk about your journey going from the Soviet Union over the United States, uh, in the book from the boy from uh, Boudoua, a Dua memoir, I'm sorry, you listen to the Mike Wagner show at the Mike powered by Sonic Web Studios and brought to you by our official sponsor, the Mike Wagner show, international warring author, Mian and the missing. We'll be back with author Pactor Kasari of the boy from Boudoua, A memoir after this time. We're back with author Patrick Asari of *The Boy from Boadua*, a memoir, here on the Mike Wagner Show, and uh, going from the Soviet Union. Now you make your journey over to um, to the United States, getting your master's in electrical engineering from Purdue University. So, um, tell us about your journey going from the Soviet Union over to the United States.
1: Yes. So when I graduated in 1991, June of 1991, I uh, I was actually uh, getting ready to uh, to go back to Ghana because that was the, that was the arrangement. You he went to get this education and then most people went back to Ghana. Uh, for me, um, it all changed when I was, uh, it was about two months before I was uh, due to graduate. Uh, I talk about my father, uh, my father, inf- my father's influence on me, uh, on my life has been quite uh, important, very, very, very vital. So um, I, I talked about him being a cocoa farmer opened the door for me to go to secondary school. And uh, he he worked, uh, made, made sacrificed a lot, I mean, to take care of his 14 children, uh, did uh, backbreaking work, and I uh, took a lot of uh, rest and, and things like that. And by the time I was about to graduate from uh, the Soviet Union, he was about uh, 80 years old at the time, and he was still working on the farm. And wow. So, yeah. And... Um, I at that point uh, had uh, made a promise to to come back and uh, find a job as an engineer in Ghana and uh, get him to retire from the farm and just uh, uh, take care of him in his uh, in his later years. And then uh, and so I make I make a visit to Ghana about two months before graduation, uh, just to pay a quick visit to Ghana and go back and defend my thesis and gather up my things and come back home. And then. Uh, uh, another visit, another quick visit to uh, to lay the groundwork and maybe find uh, find a job in Ghana, apply for positions, and uh, so I come uh, come for this visit in uh, in late April of nineteen ninety one, and I, I I land in Accra, and I I, I learned that uh, my father had died. Uh,
0: oh my gosh, I'm so yes. sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, he had died uh, unexpectedly. So that that was uh, that was a real uh, jolt uh, to my. Uh, and so, and so when I went back to the Soviet Union to uh, to defend my thesis, uh, I I did that, and after that, I I didn't I had lost my bearings. My the, um, this tragedy had just uh, knocked me off kilter. Uh, and so, and so then I I decided to uh, I started entertaining the thought about uh, uh, going uh, to some other place. I mean, it was more of a healing journey. And mm. so, and so that is what brought me to America, and um, and so I arrived in America in uh, April of 1992. And when I arrived here, I, I actually didn't know anyone in in America when I when I came here. And uh, a friend of mine, um, some um, a friend of mine I knew from secondary school in Ghana. Uh, happened to be uh, a student at the medical school in buffalo new york uh, oh wow SUNY, yeah suny uh, state university of new york at buffalo mm-hmm. he was studying medical uh, he was a medical student there so he, he he happened to be the only person i knew in america so i called him up and i said hey i uh, uh there's my situation i i just need a place to uh uh, hang out for for a few weeks, um, and and he graciously uh, agreed to uh, host me in his apartment, and uh, uh, so so I, I I land in New York and take a bus to Buffalo, New York, and so I I get to Buffalo and uh, I was living with him and uh, in his apartment and. I had nothing really going on. Uh, I had nothing to do. So, I, 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 when he went to school during the day, I would uh, I would be in the apartment watching television and uh, reading newspapers and things like that. And and, and then, then I I, I started uh, uh, getting getting a. Uh, a flavor of American society and I, I, I was liking what I saw and so nice. I decided that I, I wanted to hang around uh, a little bit longer than the few weeks I had uh, I had talked about. So So it was at that point that I started discussing with them that I wanted to, um, um, uh, you know, think about the idea of uh, going to graduate school. So that's where the Purdue idea
0: came in. Ah, and, how, and so how, the, how did that come about? I'm interested
1: yeah so i um so w- when i got this idea of uh, uh going to graduate school uh, for for a graduate degree in engineering uh you you start uh, first off you start uh, preparing uh, for the gre the graduate record examination which is the uh, yeah so I, I i buy a textbook and i start uh, studying and then you start uh uh, looking into various uh, programs, universities, and programs, so so I do a bit of research, I talk to uh, a couple of friends, a couple of people, and uh, and, and I come across uh, Purdue University. So I, uh, in addition to some other schools I had selected, so so what really attracted me to Purdue was uh, uh, Neil Armstrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, Neil wow. Neil, uh, Neil Armstrong, because. In the in the village, I, I talk about we, we didn't have electricity and so uh moonlit nights in the village were really special <laughs> uh, nice, when, nice, yeah when when the moon was uh, <laughs> when the moon was up uh, was pes- uh, very special time in the village. I mean people will sit out in the open uh, light uh, uh, wood fires and uh, sit around and uh, tell stories uh, uh, deep into the night so Um, I was in the village uh, 1969 when the Apollo, uh, the moon landing happened. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously, we didn't see that on television. And I just read about it in the newspapers. And and so when we heard about uh, Neil Armstrong uh, had landed on the moon, I mean, he was obviously the he became the biggest celebrity. I mean, to us in the village, because uh, we at night we look up and uh, we 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 see the moon and we, we wonder what's up there. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it's not made of as people would say. So <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So so to uh, to us in the village, I mean to 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 hear that. Uh, a man had landed on that, uh, thing that we, we look up every day and it was, it was just fascinating to us. So, so when I, when I got the Purdue brochure, I mean, a bunch of schools will send you their brochures. And, uh, uh, when I got the uh, Purdue brochure and uh, I, I didn't know at the time that uh, Neil Armstrong had uh, attended Purdue. So ah, interesting. I was, yeah. So I was reading, I was going through the, uh, the brochure and then I, um, uh, I find out that uh, Neil Armstrong, uh, uh, graduated with an electrical engineering degree from Purdue University, and I said, "Wow, nice, <laughs> that's where nice. that's where I want to go. I want I want to go to <laughs> that. Uh, I want to go to Purdue and walk the same halls and sit in the same classrooms that uh, Neil Armstrong. So it became an obsession. I mean, <laughs> yeah, for me, for me, it became a uh, became a real obsession. So I." Uh, I I I was uh, it was uh, so that that's uh, I I studied hard, got the uh, got the test scores, and uh, put in my applications. And thankfully, uh, was invited to uh, to study at Purdue, and I was really really proud when when that happened. So that's uh, that's how I got to uh, I got to Purdue University.
0: Wow, what a journey you've been on so far, Patrick. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know the journey did not stop there. You went on to get an MBA from the Tech School of Business at Dartmouth College in yes. 03 so take us on during going from purdue over to uh dartmouth
1: yes so so when i graduated from purdue university in uh, uh december of 1985 i actually uh, remained in uh in in west lafayette which is where purdue university is mm-hmm. uh caterpillar caterpillar um the engine manufacturer the, the large uh, big engine manufacturer they, they had a plant in the uh, In Lafayette. And so when I was about to graduate, I got a job with, uh, with Caterpillar. So I I ended up staying there and worked for Caterpillar for about six years. And then, um, uh, for much of that time, I really knew that I wanted to get uh, a business degree. Uh, uh, engineering and business are a pretty common combination. A lot mm-hmm. of people do that. So,
0: so very, I very common these days. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. Exactly. So I had that idea in mind uh, for for much of that time. So it was it was only a matter of time. And so after about five years working at Caterpillar, I decided it was time to. Um, uh, to go back to school. And then the question became, uh, do I do part-time people working at Caterpillar and do a uh, MBA part-time, which is, um, yeah, uh, uh, quite common nowadays also, mm-hmm. but I decided that I wanted the full experience. So I wanted, I wanted, uh, to, to actually live on campus and do a full MBA program. So, nice. so, uh, once again, I started researching, um, MBA programs and, um, what 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 attracted me to uh dartmouth was uh when i was in indiana i had once uh, one summer i had taken a, a road trip from uh indiana to to canada i went to uh, uh toronto uh ottawa montreal and then quebec city and then and then drove uh, back through new england uh wow. to uh to new york so so that drive from quebec city to uh to uh, through New England, Vermont, uh, New Hampshire, uh, Maine, uh, bit of Maine. Uh, I mean, during the summertime, it was just absolutely beautiful. I mean, the greenery and the and the mountains. And uh, someone that uh, has grown up on a, on a farm. I mean, I was I was uh, attracted to nature. Nice. Uh, and, and and so looking at that uh, New England um, uh, greenery during the summer. I mean, I, I really wanted to. Uh, wanted to spend some time there if i had an opportunity so so when i was uh researching mba programs number one my one of my um uh sort of things i was looking for i was looking for a small intimate program mm-hmm. uh which the the Tuck school at dartmouth uh, fit the bill very nicely uh very small strong program but but small not not as big as uh uh, the ones you find in some of these other major universities. So that was one, and then and then the uh, the whole New England uh, uh, landscape was uh, was 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 an attraction. So so once again, Dartmouth uh, Dartmouth taught became my uh, and so and so I applied and uh, uh, fortunately got into the school and uh, and left Caterpillar in uh, 2001 to to attend the place and. And uh Dartmouth uh was everything I expected and more. I mean,
0: it was it was a real oh a my real gosh, and, and I'm and I'm sure Neil would have been proud of that one too. So <laughs> Neil stroke <Armstrong. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. And and of course, you know, going from uh Dartmouth as well too, graduating in three, and um yes. you went on to um working over at UGI uh energy services and while missing Pennsylvania, which is um Outside Pennsylvania, eastern uh, half the state, uh, yes. outside Reading, Pennsylvania, and going yes. from uh, Dartmouth over to UGI. It seems like you pretty much completed your journey, just <laughs> yes. about. Yes, yes, it was a full circle. Yes. So,
1: uh, so yeah, I uh, I came to UGI in uh, in two thousand three, and um, I actually started out when when I went to uh, when I went to business school. I had the idea of uh, actually. Uh, from there going into the finance, uh, finance industry, financial Mm -hmm. services industry. So, so at at Dartmouth, I, I concentrated a lot of my classes on, on finance. I took a lot of finance classes. So, so when I graduated, I came to UGI and I actually came in here as a financial analyst. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so I wanted to do treasury work. So I was hired as a financial analyst And, and that's what I did for the company in the first, uh, in the first two years, I was here. and um and then after that, um the 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 company had just started a small uh, electric the, the UGI the energy services division I work for is uh, is uh, is primarily a gas marketing uh, company. Mm-hmm. and so we 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 market uh, natural gas to uh, to large industrial commercial customers but the the company had at that point uh started a small electric um, electricity uh, marketing uh, program and being an electrical engineer with a background in electrical engineering and mm-hmm. management it made uh, sense they, yes mm-hmm. yeah so they they decided that uh i uh they asked me if I wanted to uh, uh go and uh, help out uh, build that uh Build that uh, uh, sort of uh, operation, and, and and I accepted it, and uh, I'm I'm glad I did because I, I went there and uh, learned a ton of uh, 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 stuff about the 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 whole electricity system in America, and and that that's something I really enjoyed, and uh, and so I did that for for a number of years, and after that I. <clears throat> I decided that I wanted to get uh, some knowledge experience on on the gas side of the industry. So, so then I switched from electricity uh, to to the, the the gas supply marketing uh, sort of area of the company. So I bounced around uh, various uh, various places in the company, and uh, it's been uh, it's been an experience, uh, enjoyable experience, enjoyable uh, experience so far. This is actually my twentieth year in the company.
0: Wow! Congratulations! <laughs> yeah, Happy thank anniversary. You. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's so great. And, of course, uh, it's all in the book, uh, The Boy from Boa Bo- Dua, a memoir. I'm sorry here on the Mike Wagner Show and um, you know uh, a bit more about the book. And uh, we forgot to ask you, what first inspired you to write the book? You know, besides telling a bit more about it, besides your journey, yeah. so how would you first uh, start the book? I forgot to ask you that earlier. <laughs> yeah, I, I was enjoying your journey, already. And I was like, I forgot to <laughs> ask you about the book. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's 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 great. Yeah. So uh, um, so so yeah, that that that's uh, that's interesting. So when I came uh, when I arrived in Buffalo in um, 1992, as I said the the initial uh, months where where I was uh, sitting around the apartment and uh, uh, with not much to do I I eventually got into. Uh, preparing for my, uh, entrance exam and, and uh, so going to, into that preparation and application, I mean, it, it, it the whole process usually takes about a year, a uh, year and a half. So, so then I, I, I was looking for something, uh, a little job, I mean, to do, uh, to earn some income, uh, basically. And, um, so, I mean, I had just uh, come into the country with uh, really nothing. And, and so finding a job was, uh, was, was almost an impossibility really. And when I was, when I was studying in, in, in the Soviet Union, apart from being an engineer, they, they had a sort of parallel program where no matter what you were majoring in, they, they had this option of as a foreign students, you could uh, take a program after which you became certified to teach Russian.
0: Oh, interesting! Uh,
1: yeah, so so I took that program just by you know chance. I I, I took it. I wasn't interested in it in the beginning, but <laughs> I decided, okay, let me let me just do what the heck. And so so I I, uh, I did that. So when I graduated, I had my engineering diploma, and then I I also had a teaching certificate uh, for Russians. So what what I I brought uh, both uh, diplomas with me when I when I came to America. So what happened was I was I was in the apartment one Sunday when my uh, my friend uh, who was in medical school he 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 brought home uh, the the Buffalo news. Uh, he he bought the uh, Sunday newspaper and brought home. So so he he finished reading it my friend Ernest he finished reading it and uh I, I picked it up and I was reading it and I I saw uh I saw this ad in the in the Sunday newspaper that they, there were a couple of magnet schools in Buffalo that uh, were looking hmm. for Russian teachers really uh, interesting yeah these yeah these uh uh magnet schools uh, a couple of them in Buffalo were looking for they just started this uh a uh, Russian uh, language program. They were teaching it to kids, uh, uh, kindergarten to about fourth grade, and um, and so I see this ad and I say, "Hey, uh, this, this this is interesting." So so, <laughs> so this is Sunday, so on the Monday morning, I uh, uh, before every everyone showed up at the uh, anyone showed up at the board of education office in downtown Buffalo I was at the door <laughs> with my uh, with my. Uh, uh, diploma in hand, my teaching certificate in hand. So uh, when they open the door at eight o'clock, I, I go into the office and I say, yeah, I saw, I, I speak to this lady at the counter. I, I tell her that I uh, I saw the uh, the ad in the newspaper and I, I'm here to apply for the job. And, and she had this uh, uh, annoyed look on her face. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, yeah, she she seemed to be saying to herself, "I mean, who, who is this uh, crazy black guy walking around here in <laughs> Buffalo? <laughs> here, have some vodka will make you talk more, lady." <laughs> yeah, yeah, Think, thinking he knows uh, enough Russian to uh, to actually apply for this job. I mean, she, she thinks I was pulling a prank or something. So, oh my gosh! So, uh, so, so I I quickly uh, pulled out my, uh, my 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 certificate, my teaching certificate, and my passport, and I handed over to her, and I, and and then I see her jaw drop <laughs> and, uh, wow when she, when she realizes that i'm actually qualified to do this job and uh and so she uh she right away calls uh all her colleagues in the office like, hey come look at this and so and so i was like uh instant celebrity at the office i, mean, <laughs> you know, I have questions uh questions coming out of me from all angles how how did you get from ghana to the soviet Union? How did you so, uh, so I, I was I was given the job on the spot because uh, nice, yeah. At that time in Buffalo, I mean, I, I don't know who else uh, uh, knew Russian in Buffalo, and uh, so I, I get a job, and I and, and so that's uh, I I start uh, teaching um, uh, these uh, little kids Russian in in the Buffalo public schools, and then the uh, the board of education realized that I. Um, <clears throat> I, I was an engineer. And so they, they say, Hey, you can, you can also teach math and science. And, uh, oh, nice. So, 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 they, so Almost so they, like a
0: teacher in a way they're trying to get you to be. So. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. So, so they tack on uh, math and science uh, to, uh, uh, to the Russian. So, so as I said, the Russian was uh, mostly in kindergarten to about fourth grade. So I did that for the initial few months until they asked me to teach Russian and math, uh, math and science. So, the difference was the math and science classes were more middle school and high school. So, oh, I, no. yeah. So, so I, uh, walk into my first, uh, math classroom, which was, a uh, uh, middle school. And that was a rude awakening. I, um, I walk into the classroom and uh, it was, it was chaos, uh, you know, desks uh, facing everywhere, noise, uh, talking, loud talking. And so uncontrollable uh, classroom, uh, mm-hmm. you know, inner city school district and um, everything we read about uh, the dysfunction and the disciplinary problems. I, I walked right into that on my very first day. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. having having. haven't, spent my whole life in africa and soviet union and travel around western europe and i i, I had never seen in ghana our
0: schools i mean discipline was uh, it was mm-hmm.
1: really it, strict right in
0: in, in high reverence and the teachers are being yes. almost like um they're being yes. high regards like as presidents, yes. kings yes. and all that exactly. so, so, i did read exactly. about that and the uh, same thing yeah. with russia so yes. yeah it's yes. like it's understandable
1: yeah mm-hmm. yeah so so a real shock and uh um so, so I had real doubts after that first day in the math classroom whether I was going to be able to teach because I had never seen anything like that in my life, and uh, and so I I come I I go to my Russian classes the next day and the the teachers my my Russian teaching colleagues about uh, I was teaching Russian with about uh, with three other colleagues and. Um, And so I talked to them about my experience uh, the the previous day, and I I was telling them that I I I wasn't going to go back. I mean, to teach in the middle and high school because I I couldn't do it. And uh, and uh, and so they told me that uh, they told me that uh, yeah, what you saw was uh, was not it was nothing about you. I mean, it's it wasn't it wasn't unusual. I mean, that's that's what it is. And so uh, they said. They 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 asked me you know to to hang in there and uh, just just uh, and so and so I went back and uh, so over time I um I I started looking at that uh, very carefully observing uh, what I was seeing in the educational system uh, the middle and high school uh, system there and so because of my experience everything that I had gone through I mean to get education from the village i mean the sacrifices and the uh the accidental nature of uh, some of the uh, things i was able to do uh, i was real i mean the classrooms in buffalo i mean compared to what i had in the village i mean it was uh, yeah uh, heaven and uh, whatever so i um so the, so then it, it set me thinking i was I, I didn't quite know american society and understand it you know everything that uh uh, all the factors that contribute to the dysfunction I was witnessing, so so it became another journey of exploration for me to understand what uh, sort of you know came together to conspire uh, to inspire the, uh, the the behaviors I was witnessing, so that that that's the origins of the book. And so as I as I it took me all the way back to the beginning uh, of my journey in Ghana and trying to as I. Uh, I started to understand uh, American society a bit about the poverty, the racism, and the uh, you know parental absenteeism and urban urban culture and everything around uh, uh, you know that dysfunction. So so it was it was a, a a lot of thinking about you know hey what what if I'm a I'm a black uh, I'm a black male so what what if I had Uh, being born in urban America into that kind of uh,
0: Mm. educational environment. That's that's interesting interesting to think of.
1: Yeah. So would I, would I, because I, I, I saw the, I saw the black kids I I write in the book about two black kids that were in my classroom, one very studious and uh, trying to do everything he could to get an education. And there was this sort of black boy in the in the classroom who did everything to undermine uh what this black boy was doing so so you you take a chaotic classroom uh, to begin with and then you have uh, a target on your back <laughs> and oh so, my and gosh so, yeah so so then i start asking myself uh you know was i lucky to to have been born in that uh you know dusty village instead of uh, instead of someplace so, so so that those reflections uh uh, motivated me to, to write this book, to explore some of those questions and uh, yeah, to, to narrate my journey. And I use that as a foundation to, to explore
0: some of those questions I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. And of course, besides the book as well, too, being a principal of uh, UGI energy, energy services, what's next for you?
1: Um, so I, I, I enjoy what I do at, uh, at the company. So I will, I will, I uh, keep doing what I'm doing there and uh, combine uh, with I uh, have I have a few ideas uh, for the book. Um, like I, as I'm saying, I, I wrote this book really with with those children I taught in Buffalo in mind. I mean, they are they, they, oh, wow. uh, what motivated me to write a book. So so I growing up in a village like I did uh, with with hopelessness because uh, nothing much was expected of you uh, if you were born in that village, uh, but I happened, uh, managed, was lucky to escape that trap. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, mostly, mostly because of the strength of my parents and the family I grew up in. That was that was what really made the difference and so and so looking at the environments these children in buffalo and uh and then over time i've learned about other parts of america you know, the environments children are growing up in and so it, it, it's um what when you think really deeply about it um something and someone <clears throat> Are failing uh these kids i mean children don't raise themselves <laughs> mm-hmm. and so and so the hopelessness i saw in their eyes in those classrooms in buffalo and um, you know many of them gave up uh even before they started i mean a lot of wow. kids came to school uh not knowing why they are there i mean they, they really had no objective when they came to school because yeah they, they're growing up in a in homes where, you know, there's, there's not much expectation. I mean, their fathers are absent and, uh, and so they, they are out there on their own. And so, and so, yeah, that's one of the, that's one of the motivations, I mean, for this book, I mean, to, 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 to try to, uh, you know, dissect this message a little bit as someone who has come in from outside with, uh, with, with a, a perspective that's a bit different from, uh, uh from the american one uh, i i have uh some experiences and knowledge you know to lay on top of everything i've learned in this country over the 31 years i've been here so i, I feel like i feel like i i do have some perspectives that, that that may be useful in this whole conversation and and so that's uh I, i'm exploring ways of uh of, of using this book to,
0: to, to, to do some of that, um, do some of that work. Mm -hmm. And, and you've got a great book going as well too. Where can we find your book at Patrick? So the the book is uh,
1: available on uh, Amazon and uh, on um, uh, Amazon, Walmart, uh, Barnes and Noble, and uh it's available also in uh, some select independent uh, local bookstores so yeah amazon barnes and noble online
0: uh, you can find it amazon barnes and noble walmart mm. okay we we'll are certainly check that out we're with author patrick asari of uh, the boy from Bo do a memoir on the mike wagner show and uh you know it's been a great journey you know it makes me it makes me feel like I've been on this journey as well too going from Ghana the Soviet Union over the United States and just going all over the world and just a couple of things Patrick, who do you consider biggest influence in your career
1: in in my career i am um, i would I would say um the 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 professors uh, who uh, taught me both at uh, Purdue and at Dartmouth um they they really uh, opened my eyes to to the corporate world. Uh, someone who came in uh, to America not knowing much about this country to begin with. Uh, so I I started out uh, talking to a lot of these professors. I mean, who both taught me and uh, and uh, you know gave me various pieces of uh, of advice about uh, career choices and uh, uh, how to. How to approach uh, life in in corporate America. So I, I would say, when it comes to when it comes to influence on on career, the, those sets of uh, professors, both at
0: Purdue University and uh, Dartmouth, that's certainly amazing and uh, very great indeed, too. What's the best advice you can give to anybody at this point? So
1: <laughs> the the this long and meandering journey that I've been on, the one thing. <clears throat> The one thing that I have learned is to is to just keep your eyes open all the time. Be, be deeply curious, and um, and be open to new ideas. Uh, don't close yourself up. Uh, don't don't think you uh, you you know. Uh, anything uh, to make you sort of draw conclusions and uh, and 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 close yourself off to new ideas because uh, what what I've learned is uh, the world is a very very complicated place and, and very fast what, yes yes and what do you think you know today um, is is really just uh, scratching the surface so be be prepared uh, keep an open mind and. Uh, be ready to take whatever new information uh, is going to be available to you tomorrow and be flexible enough uh, to, to uh, sort of use that to uh, to challenge whatever prior assumptions I mean, you have. Because I have, um, th- that, that is one thing that has served me very, very well. So be, number one, be deeply curious. Um, mm-hmm. if, if, if I didn't have that curiosity, I wouldn't have picked up that uh, piece of newspaper on the ground in, in the village, uh, which would trigger this whole journey. So, mm-hmm. so curiosity is number one. And, and then number two, uh, be very open-minded, uh, and, and expose yourself to, uh, different people and different ideas and all that. So when you do
0: those two things, uh, good things, good thing, good things tend to happen. Mm-hmm. And certainly, indeed, as well, too. And of course, a lot of us can do that as well. So once again, yes. author Patrick Casario of um, The Boy from Bua, Dua, and Memoir here on the Mike Widener Show. Patrick, a very big thank you for your time. You've been absolutely fantastic. Great going <laughs> on a journey with you. and Looking forward to having you again soon. Keep yeah. us up date. Keep in touch. Love having you back. Once again, what's your website? How do people contact you? Where can people purchase or check out your book? Yes. So so again, the, uh,
1: the book can be purchased on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Walmart. And uh, at uh, uh, some select uh, local independent bookstores, uh, check your local bookstores if, if they have it. If they don't have it, uh, maybe you can encourage them to carry it. Uh, but you can, you can order it from a, a bunch of different places. And you can go to my website, <clears throat> uh, patrickassareauthor.com. Uh, it's all one word, patrickassareauthor.com. Uh, I, I list uh, all the places you can buy the book on the website and you can connect with me there. Uh, you can also connect with me on uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter. My Twitter handle is P-O-K-W-A-S-I. P-O-K-W-A-S-I. Uh, you can you can catch me on Facebook, uh, Patrick Asari, and uh, Instagram and uh, LinkedIn. So you can connect, but uh, but uh, on the website is the best way. You can connect with me there, send me an email, and uh,
0: and uh, it's, uh, it'll be great. We'll certainly check that out as well. Once again, Patrick, a very big thank you. Time, you've been absolutely fantastic. Looking forward to <laughs> having you soon. Keep us yeah. up to date. Keep in touch. Live after back. Wish you all the best, and Patrick, you definitely have a great future ahead.
1: <laughs> thank you so much, Mike, for uh, for having me. I've uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much.